guys to drop by. It's a trap. Julie, get us out of here. We would be honored if you would join us. Charming. This time you pack on two fronts. I got a bad feeling about this. Hello, what have we here? Red 5 standing by. This is some rescue. You must fear the force around you. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a Jedi. Like my father before me. I like the sound of that. The force will be with you. Welcome back to Dead Boffin Spies, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Ryan Daly, and I've got a brand new hobby, watching the Force Awakens trailer reaction videos on YouTube. No, seriously, I've watched like 30 of these things, videos of people watching videos. It sounds absurd to say it out loud, but it's a real thing. And near as I can tell, it accounts for like half the videos on YouTube. The first one I watched was posted by Nathaniel Wayne, a frequent guest on this show on the Council of Geeks YouTube page. If you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. And after that, go watch John Boyega's reaction, and then Daisy Ridley's, and then anybody's. I know that looking at someone's facial reactions while listening to the soundtrack from the trailer sounds... silly. But it's fascinating. I think so, anyway. To see what moments from the trailer elicit what types of reactions. Joy, wonder, confusion, nostalgia... Hope? Frustration? That last one mostly arises from the abrupt blackout at the end of the trailer. But the reason I find myself so fascinated by these reaction videos is that I share all those emotions. The joy, the wonder, confusion, nostalgia, hope. It's great to feel that sense of community again, that we are all Star Wars fans, and we're all excited for the new movie, even if we still don't know much of what it's about. Which brings me to the topic of this episode. Yes, that's right, it's speculation time again. If you haven't been following along with this podcast lately, I've come up with seven speculations regarding Star Wars The Force Awakens. Even though the title Seven Spoilers would be equally alliterative, it would not be as accurate. At least, I don't think so. My speculations are just theories, guesses based on flimsy circumstantial evidence, or even flimsier imagination. I don't believe I'm spoiling anything about The Force Awakens because I don't know anything. I'm not privy to any Lucasfilm contacts with insider information. If I did, I'd be selling secrets to Bleeding Cool or Latino Review or one of the countless other gossip aggregators that tries to pass itself off as a news website. But I think I'm pretty smart when it comes to Star Wars. These aren't just random predictions. This is what I think will happen. And that may be spoiler-ish for some listeners. So I throw up the same warning now as I do before every other episode. If you don't want to entertain even speculative plot or character beats from The Force Awakens, don't listen any further. Save this podcast until after you've seen the movie. Maybe you can binge listen to these episodes during your holiday travels. That might be fun. 
Be warned, the subject of my sixth speculation is going to touch on the role of Luke Skywalker in the film. I'm going to take a short break here, play some promos, give you a chance to decide whether or not you want to continue down this dangerous path. When we return, the sixth of seven speculations. There's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe is there. It's G.I. Joe against Cobra and Destro fighting to save the day. He never gives up. He's always there. Fighting for freedom over land and air. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe is there. Attention, Joes. This is General Hawk. I have an important mission for you. I need you to listen to G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. It's a monthly podcast where Aaron Moss, Codename Head, and two other Joes, Ryan Daly and Kyle Benning, will be reporting on the comic book G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Previously published by Marvel, currently being published by IDW Comics. We'll also cover the special missions, the yearbooks, order battles, etc. To hear their message, report to G.I. Joe.com. HeadSpeaks.com or iTunes or Stitcher Radio. You can get further information at Facebook, Google Plus, and Twitter. All under G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. Dismissed. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe, a real American headcast, is a proud member of the headcast family. The world never gives up. He'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. Joe. In-Country has re-upped for another tour, and we've been reassigned. Now you can find this complete look at Marvel Comics' The Nom on the Two True Freaks Network. So join me, Tom Panneries, for In-Country, a podcast covering Marvel Comics' The Nom, every two weeks at twotruefreaks.com. Okay, let's talk about Luke Skywalker. First, the elephant in the room, or the bantha, or the tauntaun, whatever. Luke Skywalker is not Kylo Ren. After the official trailer dropped on Monday Night Football, a whole lot of people jumped to that conclusion that Luke is the man in black saying that he's going to fulfill Darth Vader's legacy. I honestly do not understand how someone would make that assumption. That logic doesn't track. There is no logic I can see to that. But still, a lot of people made that leap. People I know, people I thought I loved, say, even if Luke isn't Kylo Ren, he's still probably gone over to the dark side. I think that idea is dumb. Borderline insulting. I'm okay if the new movies want to spit in the face of the prequel trilogy. I won't lose sleep over that. But I have a big problem with them giving the finger to the classic trilogy. And yes, I know that's a biased opinion. It's my biased opinion. It's my podcast. 
The original saga was Luke's path to become a Jedi. He didn't fall to the dark side like Darth Vader. Luke succeeded where his father failed. That is the legend. That is the whole point of the hero's epic journey. And that's it. I could spend a lot more time arguing about this, but I don't feel the argument merits that kind of response. Luke did not turn to the dark side during Return of the Jedi, nor has he broke bad in the 30 years since. So, now you can ask the very valid questions, what has Luke been doing all this time, and where the hell is he? We haven't seen Luke in any official image or clip from the movie, at least not a good look at him. That might be him in the cloak kneeling down, resting his cybernetic hand on R2-D2 in the teaser. Why is Lucasfilm keeping his appearance hidden from us? I really don't think it's a big conspiracy. I think they want his first appearance to be a showstopper. I think when he pops up on screen, the whole theater will rise to its collective feet. That's what J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy want, so they're going to draw it out as long as possible. That's all. That's the reason we haven't seen him in any of the marketing for the movie. But it doesn't answer the in-story questions of where is he and what is he doing. If 20% of the fans think Luke went over to the dark side, and I'm making that number up, I have no idea, but let's say if 20% think Luke has gone bad, I think the other 80 believes Luke is in hiding. That he's become a reclusive hermit the way Obi-Wan Kenobi and Master Yoda did when the Jedi were wiped out by the Empire. The thing is, there isn't any evidence to support that idea either. I think people are assuming because we don't see him in the trailer that he must be out of the public eye, that he must have vanished, that he has no part in the war between the Resistance and the First Order. But what is your reasoning for thinking that? It seems like everyone has a reason, and damn near every explanation or theory I've heard centers around some kind of training disaster. I hear a lot of people say Luke was training Kylo Ren, or he was training Snoke, the evil master behind, behind Kylo Ren, and he failed just like Obi-Wan did, that his pupil succumbed to the dark side, and Luke turned his back and ran away from his failure. That's why he's in hiding. That's why there's no new Jedi temple full of young Jedi. I've heard a ton of theories like that. And to me, they are nearly as insulting as the idea that Luke himself went to the dark side. Again, Luke's story was about fixing the mistakes of the past. If he fell to the dark side like his father, then we have no progress in our saga. Then we might as well not have had Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Likewise, if Luke fails as a teacher and his trainee becomes a psycho killer like what happened with Obi-Wan and Anakin, then again we have no progress in our saga. We've seen that before. Why would you assume it would happen again? The fact that so many people leapt to this conclusion so quickly tells me that it is not the case, because that would be the laziest kind of storytelling, and I give Lawrence Kasdan and J.J. Abrams more credit than that. I don't think Luke Skywalker is hiding at all. I think he's roaming. Luke Skywalker, Jedi Master, is no hermit. He's a vagabond. Master Yoda told him to pass on what he learned. How is he supposed to do that? Build a charter school? With what resources? Is he supposed to establish Jedi Temple 2.0 in the heart of the New Republic's capital and then announce to the galaxy, hey, if your kids are Force-sensitive, send them my way. I'll train them in this central location that everybody knows about. 
The Empire lost, but they didn't go away, not for a while. Luke is still the most wanted, most dangerous man in the galaxy. He's the last of the Jedi Knights, and the man who assassinated the Galactic Emperor, his chief enforcer, and the most powerful crime lord in the Outer Rim. Luke will always have a target on his back, not just from bounty hunters, from whole fleets of starships willing to bombard his home from space. He can't settle down for long, nor would that be conducive to his plan of finding and training new potential Jedi. Thirty years pass between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. I think Luke would spend a considerable portion of his time after the Battle of Endor looking for Jedi relics and artifacts that can teach him more about the Force. We get a hint of this in the comic Shattered Empire issue 4. I'll talk about the Shattered Empire miniseries in greater detail on an upcoming episode. But the gist is that Luke goes on a mission to retrieve samples of a tree that Master Yoda planted in the Jedi Temple during the Clone Wars. After the fall of the Jedi, the Emperor took the tree for study and Luke takes it back. I've talked to Kyle Benning about this tree. Kyle has been on the podcast before and he'll be on again in the future. Kyle thinks that the tree that Luke recovers will factor into the plot of The Force Awakens. I don't. But the idea that after the Emperor died, Luke started uncovering all the secrets that Palpatine tried to bury, I think that idea will play into The Force Awakens. That's part of what Luke has been doing for the last three decades. Like Indiana Jones, he's been digging up ancient Jedi holocrons, or breaking into Imperial vaults and stealing back old Jedi journals. The other thing that he's been doing is meeting other people like him, people with the Force. Darth Vader and the Empire did their job pretty effectively. They wiped out the Jedi Knights for a generation. Their numbers aren't going to rebound overnight. It wouldn't be safe to gather all the new Jedi candidates onto one planet. And Luke might not even know how to teach that way. He might not even know how to teach, period. So the first thing he has to do is meet another Force-sensitive character and size her up, find out what she knows, what she can do, what she can't do. And I think Luke would work with that person for a time, train with him or her, maybe for a couple weeks, maybe for a couple years, until it was time to move on. Luke is a roamer, a wandering Jedi, like Kung Fu. Yeah, along the way he might stop and mediate some local disputes, he might play arbiter and peacemaker, or he might break up a slave trafficking ring and bring down a stubborn imperial moth who refuses to surrender his power to the new government. During this time, he's working with partners, men, women, children, aliens, being strong in the Force who need a little guidance. This might not be formal training, or even the kind Luke received on Dagobah, it might just be philosophical Q&A sessions, or for some, it might be a kind of therapy and enlightenment through the wisdom of the Force. I'm going to speculate that Luke encounters anywhere between three and a dozen other Force-sensitive people in his travels before the Force Awakens, and a lot of those encounters will be revealed in stories, whether they're novels, comics, or other kinds of media, in stories coming out after the Force Awakens that sort of bridge that gap in the next couple years. But the most important character he meets, for our purposes anyway, is an alien named Maz Kanata. If you recognize the name, it's because Maz Kanata is the character being portrayed by actress Lupita Nyong'o in the upcoming film. We've heard her voice several times, I believe, in the trailers and TV spots, but we haven't seen her yet. Don't assume you know what she looks like just because you've seen Lupita Nyong'o. She's actually playing a motion capture character. Which is kind of a shame, because Nyong'o is a woman of striking beauty. 
Indulge me for a second because I need to go on a bit of a tangent about her character. All that we know, all that's been confirmed, I think, is that Maz Kanata is a motion capture character and that she is a pirate queen who lives in a castle which has a whole slew of denizens of various shapes and sizes, like the gang at Jabba's Palace or the Mos Eisley Cantina. There is some leaked concept art attributed to the character, but no official images yet. I think Lucasfilm wants to keep her visual under wraps for as long as possible. Not because her identity would spoil anything, just because, well, Star Wars does not have the best track record when it comes to computer-generated characters. When Star Wars fans think of CGI characters, they think of Jar Jar, they think of the special edition Jabba, and they think of the battle droids and all of the sins of the prequels. Maz Kanata has to look incredible, like nothing you've ever seen before, because I think she's going to be, in one sense, our new Yoda. I used to think that Maz was a pirate who somehow gained possession of the lightsaber that Luke Skywalker lost on Bespin when Darth Vader cut his hand off. Maybe she still got the lightsaber, but I'm not so sure of that anymore. In the second teaser that came out over the summer, there's a shot of someone, someone pretty distinctly alien, passing that lightsaber to a woman I think we can agree is Leia. I thought the alien giving the lightsaber to Leia was Maz Kanata, but now I'm not so sure. The alien's hands are pretty clearly yellowish-orange. The concept art for Maz shows her to be bluish-green. If you look at the official movie poster that came out right before the trailer, there's a little alien character next to BB-8 and R2-D2. He or she is small and hard to pick out, but you can see that it appears yellowish-orange and has some weird goggles over its eyes. I think that's the being that gives Leia the old lightsaber. Who that is, or how they got the weapon, I have no idea. But I don't think that it is Maz Kanata. True, the concept art may have evolved, but I just don't think that's the case here. So, if Maz Kanata doesn't have Luke's old lightsaber, what role does she serve in the story? Like I said, I think she knows Luke Skywalker. Aside from being a pirate queen, and pirate can mean so many things... I'm going to assume that she's more of the benevolent pirate, the kind that liberates goods from fascist empires, rather than the kind that captures and sells slaves. Aside from that, I think Maz Kanata is a Force-sensitive. I think at some point after Return of the Jedi, she met Luke Skywalker, and it was an important encounter. Maybe it lasted years, maybe minutes. Maybe they trained together, maybe they fought each other. Maybe she taught him some new tricks about the Force, maybe he taught her. The fact is, she knows Luke. She might even know him on a level no one else can. And she is the key to finding Luke when the Force Awakens begins. Not because he isn't hiding. I want to stress that point again. Luke isn't hiding because of some colossal failure to set the Knights of Ren straight about what kind of man Anakin Skywalker was. Luke's not a recluse. He's a nomad. Maz Kanata either knows his most recent location, or she's able to sense him and somehow track him through the Force. Plot speculation ahoy, just so you know. This is picking up from my earlier speculation about how Finn deserts the First Order. I think he's wandering around the wastes of Jakku, and maybe he steals Rey's speeder to get back to the village. That's why we see her walking with BB-8 instead of coasting on her little vehicle. Anyway, she finds Finn in town trying to sell the bike to get off-world. They fight, but they end up coming together over circumstances. And when the stormtroopers and TIE fighters come gunning for them, they have to work together. I think the scene we keep seeing of them reacting to an explosion in the desert is Ray's speeder bike getting blown away by a TIE fighter. That leaves them stranded and helpless, 
just as the Millennium Falcon arrives and picks them up. Maybe Han got word that the First Order was on Jakku because Poe Dameron escaped and got word back to the Resistance. Leia sent Han and Chewie to go pick up her daughter, even if the First Order wasn't necessarily there to capture her. Or hell, maybe they were. Maybe that's what Poe Dameron was doing on Jakku in the first place, keeping tabs on Rey for her mother. Once Han rescues Rey and Finn, he might have to clear up some questions about her past, her connections to Kylo Ren, her affinity for the Force, and she'll need a teacher and a protector, and that means finding Luke Skywalker. So Han takes them to the green planet where Maz Kanata lords over a castle on the lake. There's going to be some nice interaction between Rey and Maz, the voiceover from the trailer and the recently released TV spot suggest as much, and Maz knows who Rey is when they meet. She's able to sense the Force in her and her connection to Luke. And she's able to fill in some of the gaps about what Luke has been doing for 30 years. Not all the gaps, but a few. Unfortunately, the First Order tracks them somehow, because we know there is a major battle on this world. Stormtroopers attack the castle, but just in time, Poe Dameron leads a squad of X-Wing fighters across the lake, and they come in blasting the First Order troops and TIE fighters. The heroes manage to escape on the Millennium Falcon, maybe with Maz Kanata, maybe with Luke's old lightsaber, or maybe just with Luke's location. After that... Shit, I don't know. I still don't know if Luke will be in this movie for more than five minutes. I hope he is. Anyway, our principal characters, Rey, Finn, and Han Solo, get together at the end of Act 1. I think that's where the story goes. The search for old Skywalker. So, I know there was a lot going on there. This speculation was longer than I thought it was going to be, and as always, there is every chance, if not probability, that I'm dead wrong. The key points that I want to make clear are... 1. Luke Skywalker has not gone over to the dark side. 2. He is not in hiding because he trained a dark Jedi. 3. He has spent decades roaming the galaxy, teaching people here and there, and acquiring Force relics and artifacts. 4. Maz Kanata is Force-sensitive. 5. She met Luke at some point in the past 30 years. And 6. She is the key to finding him in The Force Awakens. And that's where I'm going to end this edition of Seven Speculations. We've got one more, folks, and it's going to be crazy. Feedback for the show can be left on the blog page, deadboffinspies.blogspot.com, or the Facebook page at facebook.com backslash deadboffinspies. You can also review the show on iTunes, and you can track me down at Twitter, at RyanDaily01, or the username CountDrunkula. Dead Bath and Spies is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or Walt Disney Company, and the views expressed on the show are mine only. All music, audio clips, and quoted text is used for entertainment purposes and believed covered under fair use. And since I make no money off this podcast, no copyright infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you.